on the spot where two student pastors talk about stuff that matters. I'm Dakota. And I'm Kyle. Well, Kyle, today we have a special guest. It we is do our... have a special guest. Yes. I am looking forward to our special guest. Our special guest today on On the Spot is our worship pastor, Josh Morton. Hello, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Well, we are excited that you're here. I know that we have a lot to cover today. We're going to be covering a chapter in um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Mm -hmm. Um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christmas Life? Yeah, Christmas Life. It's It's Christmas Disciplines. It's December. It's eating cookies and wrapping presents and, and trying to do the Advent calendar correctly. Right. So the reason that we've got Josh on here today is because that chapter is on worship, and who better to have some insight on this chapter than our worship pastor. So, but before we get into that, I know that we've got the normal things that we do. We've got a question of the day from Kyle, and then we've got some questions for you, Josh. We do have a question of the day. So Josh and Dakota, I want to know your answers to this question. If you could go anywhere on vacation outside of the United States, where would you go? Hmm. Well, I had a really hard time with this um, because there's a lot of places that I would like to go. And and to be totally honest, most of that is dependent on the food in the place. Um, so are you a food snob, Dakota? Yes. Yes. Um, so it's really between two places. It's between Spain or Japan. For Why me. would you go between Spain and Japan? What's between Spain and Japan? You're the worst, Kyle. <laughs> Basically half the planet. Yes. <laughs> it's very so, true. Like the exact middle. Is that India? It would be. Well, I would, that would, that's a good food place, too. Um, it's probably a little north of that, probably the Himalayans. But it's it's one of those two, Spain or Japan. The reason Japan is because Japan, fun fact, is actually the food capital of the world now. Um, it, it has really? I did the, not know that. So the reason that it is that is because Japan has more Michelin star restaurants than anywhere else in the world. What, is, what do tires have to do with food? It's not tires. So <laughs> Dakota, can you just like real fast explain to us what a Michelin star restaurant so is? So if... So the Michelin system, the star system, is is basically you've heard of like a three-star or a four-star restaurant. Is this like the solar system? No. Um, you've heard of like the stars for the restaurant. It's basically that is the ranking system for a restaurant being an elite thing. Okay. Um, and there's a specific group of people that determine those things. And for pretty much ever, France, because it's French cuisine typically is the base for everything. France has been the place that has had the most Michelin star restaurants. Well, about three years ago, Japan dethroned them. They came in strong armed them, didn't they? Pretty much. Like they do everything. (laughs) Everything they do, man, they come in and they, they do it better than everybody else. And everybody just kind of stands in awe of what Japan does. It's unreal. So I would love to go there. I didn't realize that, that Japanese food was that popular these days. Well, it's not just Japanese food. Uh, Japan actually has, like, I mean, they do have specifically Japanese food, obviously, but um, they have a lot of eclectic food. A lot of people go to Japan to start restaurants because it is such a, um, it's such an influential food so place I might, I might go to Japan to start an Indian restaurant? You could, yes. See, and it would be accepted? Mm-hmm. But you would have That's to awesome. go all the way to Japan instead of just going halfway. Yes. In between yes, Japan correct. and Spain. Why Spain? Um, Spain's just got a really unique food culture as well um, because a lot of people uh, don't think about Spain, but they've got 
just so many cool things um, that I would really be interested in. I watched a show on Netflix, actually. It's called The Final Table. Uh, it's a, <laughs> it is a the final table. It's, dun, dun, dun. it's hands down the best food, like it's best cooking competition show I've ever seen mm-hmm. because it's more about the actual food and the cooking than it is the drama behind the people. Okay, um, and these people are not like well known people. I mean, they are in culinary circles. Like they, most of them have their own restaurants that are Michelin star restaurants or. Uh, James Beard Awards or things like that. So they're like James super, Beard Awards. Yes, they're just awards, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they um, so they have a lot of um, really really top tier culinary people, and they work it down to the final person, and it's incredible. And strangely enough, a, an American actually did win it um, on the the season that they have on Netflix. And they I, didn't even have to go to Japan. Um, I mean, they did have to cook Japanese cuisine because they cook something from a different country every single so, episode. So these people have to be well-versed in, in all cooking. Yes. All things cooking. It's That's amazing. Not just your culture, everybody's culture. Correct. It's incredible. And it's called what again? The Final Table. The Final Table. Yeah, it's really good. Texting my wife right now. <laughs> well, while you're doing that. We need that, to watch The Final Table. I need to hear Josh's yeah. answer to this question. Um, my, I really want to go to one of two places as well. Um, both of them would be considered in, you know, the European area. Um, I would. I, I want to go to Ireland really, really bad. Yeah. Um, I want to spend about two weeks there. I don't know what it is about Ireland, but Ireland seems like the most calm, relaxing place to me. That's um, fair. It feels like a place you can go to and just kind of forget everything it's all for that a while. gold at the end of the rainbow. That's right. <laughs> What I showed, I, all I'm thinking about is that video. <laughs> I, I showed him the video of the the. Um, I think it's in Alabama. The, the oh yes, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's yes. Kyle's friends. Yes, so, so, yes the leprechaun. Yes, where to go? Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, Ireland is one that I want to go to. Uh, Switzerland is kind of the, in the same boat to me. They um, you got to deposit all that illegal money. Yeah, that's right. I got a couple offshore accounts. Don't judge me. Um, anyway, um, I'm kidding. I don't have any offshore accounts. That's a disclaimer. Welcome to disclaimer culture. Um, so um, Switzerland's really, really cool. The scenery there is just absolutely beautiful. And like all those things you see on social media where you have folks that um, there's like this dome over their bedroom and they can like look at the stars and all that kind of stuff while they sleep. And um, and like that, that, that beautiful scenery, once again, it's just such a relaxing looking place where you can go and just forget everything. That's what I want to do. Nice. I want to go to both those places soon. And I, I've been to Israel before. That was really cool. Um, and I stopped in Germany. That was really, really neat. Israel, Israel quietly is a place very similar to what I just described, especially mm-hmm. around, um, Around uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Tiberias area, um, I, I when when I went, I went with my parents, and I told them, I was like, I could live here. This is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It's it's borderline tropical feeling. Interesting. The it's, food's really good there. too. It's really good. Get that Saint <laughs> Peter's fish. It's real, real good. They have like palm trees, pineapple. Yeah. Really? Uh, they yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised what they grow out there, man. You're driving out in the middle of the desert, and all of a sudden, there's this beautiful grove of something that they're growing. It's very tropical. It's incredible. Um, hmm. It makes you understand why everybody wants it. Why everybody wants it? Like they they take you to the uh, okay. I'm on. I'm on. Fall down the rabbit hole here. They take you to the um, where the Battle of Armageddon is supposed to happen. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you you look at it, and it's like 
you can see several countries from that one spot. And it's just this massive, massive, like miles and miles and miles long field. And they take you up to, I think it's Megiddo. I think it's Megiddo. They take you up to the top of the mountain where you can see where, where uh, I, I believe it's the same place. I don't want to say something wrong. It, you, on top of that mountain, you can just see everything. And you realize it's like, wow, this place is the most valuable piece of land in all of the world. It's a really, really cool place. You need to go. I mean, if you can see everything. You really can see. It's I thought it was Alaska because Sarah Palin could see Russia from her house. <laughs> Stop. Jeez. Sarah Palin. I hadn't heard that name in a while. Sorry. Kyle, Kyle, you're acting a little funny today. What's going on, man? Uh, I, I am sick, yes, but I do not are. have the Rona. He doesn't have the Rona, which is no why Rona. we're on the room with him. We're good. Yeah. No, no Rona, but boy, do I do I feel a little not not great. <laughs> I mean, Kyle, we could have phoned you in. You could have been sitting in your, you know, PJs at home. I'm afraid of what you would have done to me if I had done that. I don't know. We're getting an element right now from Kyle. It's pretty, pretty special. I do love when people describe me as special. All right, Kyle. Well, we have some things to talk to Josh about, correct? Yes, yes we do. Josh. Uh, we want to interview you so that people can get to know you a little bit better. Here it comes. Uh, and so we have some questions that we want to ask you as uh, one of our worship as our worship pastor. First off, how many deep V-neck shirts do you own? <laughs> uh, do we need to put a disclaimer out for these questions? <laughs> yeah, disclaimer culture. Welcome to disclaimer culture. Um, I I own V-necks. I do not own any deep V-necks. Now, have I have I owned deep V-necks before? In a maybe previous life when I was a little skinnier, <laughs> maybe an occasional semi-deep neck, but not like deep neck. You know, it wasn't like that. I hear um, you. But yeah, I have V-necks. Okay. I know that's kind of a staple for most. Absolutely. So next question, do you shave your chest, wax your chest, <laughs> or are you naturally chest bald? Please, please don't answer that question. Upon, <laughs> uh, upon attempting not to lose my job... <laughs> Um, I will not talk about the hair probably, removal. That's probably a practices. good call. That's probably a good call. All right, those are the only two questions I have. <laughs> All right, oh so my. let's wrap this thing up. Let's go home. <laughs> Are you not going to ask any questions? Oh, I, I thought you were wanting to ask all the questions. Oh, I don't have to ask all the questions. <laughs> well, okay, so <clears throat> I like I like this one because I actually think I know close to the answer of this one. How many pairs of shoes do you own? Yeah, um, a lot of shoes. I, I'm an accessory guy. Yeah. I embrace this. I have um I have twenty twenty six hats hanging on my wall. Listen, I've been to the mall with you, I know. You know. Um, <laughs> when you say twenty six hats hanging on your wall, is this just the twenty six hats that you have on one wall in one location? Well, I've I've recently done a purge of hats. Uh-oh. I had upwards of forty hats at one point. And it's a lot I, of hats. Yeah, it's a lot of hats. And I wanted more hats. <laughs> so you got rid of the ones you didn't so wear. So I got rid of the ones I hadn't worn in a while. And because my wife said, you're not allowed to buy hats anymore until you get rid of some hats. So, but now granted, I do co- like I collect, I, I collect a lot of these things. Like some of my, like I, um, for the World Cup, uh, the most recent World Cup, you know, the United States wasn't in. So I had to pull for somebody, right? I got to pull for somebody. So I decided to pull for our cousins across the pond, England, and I got me an England World Cup hat. That's pretty cool. And it's a it's a flat bill Nike has has it's got a big old check and got the England across. So I really like that. So you ask about shoes, so I'm gonna talk about shoes. I've been trying to avoid this. Um, I have, <laughs> we have a rack on the back of our door. I probably have. How big is the door? Uh, it's a 
for like like that, whatever that is. So a standard door. Standard door, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but they can't see us. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. know if it was one of those big sliding barn doors. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, it's not one of those. Um, I would say I probably got about fifteen or sixteen pair of shoes hanging on that, and then I've got a little rack with some boots on it. Nice. I, I really felt like it was more than that. It used to be a lot more than that. And Hannah and I both have been doing this thing where we're trying to purge and be wise with purchases and not be un- unintelligent with money. And just because you can buy something doesn't mean that you should. Well, and I know that you you take very good care of your shoes. Yes. Um, so, I clean them regularly. So you could, you, your shoes will last you years. Yes, they do. <laughs> so it's easy well, to build them Well, he only them wears them once a month. <laughs> well, it's easy to build them up when you don't wear them every day and you keep them clean, you know. Yes. So, so Dakota and I recently had a discussion, um, not really a debate because, you know, we both prefer mountains to the beach. I'm just curious, um, are you a beach person or a mountains person? I would say 75% of the year I'm a beach person. Uh, 25% of the year I like, I like the mountains. I, I like going to the mountains in the late fall, early winter. Um, like so when it's really cold. Yeah. It feels seasonally correct. I grew up near the mountains. <laughs> seasonally correct. I, I grew up, so I grew up in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. I actually grew up in a place called Tigerville, South Carolina, which is literally a crossroads and North Greenville University is there. You're required to be a Clemson fan? No, I'm not required to be a Clemson fan. Do not put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> oh my. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am a... Uh, South Carolina Gamecock through and through. I'm out, about to be a Liberty Flame. Ooh. Hey, actually tomorrow I defend my thesis tomorrow and be done nice. with that thing. Well done, sir. Yes, yeah, ready to be done. Um, but anyway, um, uh, so the mountains when it gets cool, the mountains just feel like home to me. So I like going to the mountains in cooler weather. I don't like going to the beach in cooler weather so much. Uh, very windy, cold. I don't like that. It's weird. You know, um, feels weird. Even though we're going to Outer Banks in the middle of the winter, in the bleak midwinter. So you're I'm a, glad you're going to enjoy yourself. You're yeah. a beach person. Dakota recently said he was a mountain person, though I I don't think that that's true because where was your most recent vacation, Dakota? It was Virginia Beach. Yes, it was. Yes, it was, and that's where you learned that you really were a beach person. I'm pretty sure you're going to the beach on vacation in I, 2021. I am, but that's that's more for my family than it is for me. So you're a mountain person. I, I am a mountain person. I prefer mountains. I, I could see how he could be a mountain person. I mean, he grew up near Asheville, and yeah. that's the mountains. And No, I'm definitely a mountain lake person. So I do like... Now, you say lake now. Lake life is... Lake that's life like is a way combination of the, life. Well, lake way life better. is a combination of the two, and that's, that's a thing of beauty. All right. So you're a worship pastor, right, Josh? Yep. That hasn't changed. Nope. Um, so what are your top five worship, favorite worship songs? Uh, you know, that's a really, really difficult question. Um, I, I would say over my lifetime, I would say, uh, you know, it's going to sound really cheesy, but Heart of Worship is a great, great song. Um, I'm coming back to the Heart of Worship, that song. Uh, it's all I would, about you. Yeah. I think a lot of times, uh, what I love about the song is it keeps the main thing the main thing. Um, so I would say that that is one of them. I would say, um, uh, I am a, I am a, and I know this some, for some people may not sit completely well. Um, I actually enjoy elevation worship stuff. Um, I know I've discussed that with you guys. Um, from a the, uh, theology standpoint, um, I would say 
compared to many of the other worship artists out there, their theology is the most sound and most universal for churches to be able to use. Not just churches just like Elevation. Other churches can use their stuff. And that's the way, to me, it's more of a capital C church mindset. And they try to write so other denominations, other other groups can use their stuff. So I would say um, I really like Graves in the Gardens a lot. A lot. Um, I like... Um, I like that album, the Paradoxology album by Elevation Worship. Um, um, trying to think of some other songs. Um, Here is in Heaven's really, really good. Um, uh, holy, holy, holy is probably from a traditional worship standpoint is is my favorite hymn. Uh, it, it keeps it it draws attention to God's holiness as opposed to our depravity, um, and I really, really, really like that. Um, and then uh, going in that same vein, I would say uh, I Surrender All would be my would be another one um, uh, pointing us to uh, pointing us to uh, you know, surrendering to, to, to God in, in everything that we do. Nice. Yeah. So you kind of talked a little bit about this in, <clears throat> in your preferences even, but um, there has to be a process for what you choose to lead on Sunday mornings in our church and even what kind of you've chosen for our uh, student ministry to lead as well in worship. So how do you go about, what's the process that you have in choosing worship songs? Well, the first thing you got to remember, when it comes to choosing worship songs, you are never going to please everyone. Hmm. And I I think, I hope, I hope everybody that listens to this hears that. Um, when you're when you're a worship pastor and even your pastor, your pastor's a key part of this. When they are looking at songs to use in your worship service, there is a universal understanding, and there's no way of getting around this at all. There's a universal understanding that there is going to be somebody that doesn't like the song that you pick. So you you really you're trying to pick for the majority. That's not to say that theological you shouldn't take theological issues seriously and so on and so forth, but it, in in a world where 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 we are taught from birth, especially as Americans, where we are taught as birth that our vote, our thoughts, our 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 opinions matter, and they do, you are like at a church our size. You know, pre COVID, we're running more than a thousand people on Sunday morning. There's going to be somebody in that crowd that does not like what is right. chosen. So that's the disclaimer up front. So my process. I listen to I, I I'm constantly listening to new worship songs. I try to listen to the popular guys. I try to listen to um, Elevation, Hillsong, um, uh, even Bethel. Sometimes um, I try to listen to that to kind of get to understand the I, I guess the word vibe. You know what 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 is the what does the the capital C church sound like right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and the and and the truth be told, whether you like those artists or not, that's what the the church at large is using as their as their template. Yeah. So I, I listen to them, and then and then I go start listening to other groups like um, like Maverick City, uh, Upper Room, uh, Red Rocks. Um, uh, I think it's Austin Stone. Um, they're 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 uh, and and you got. Uh, I'd probably put vertical in there, you know, put the, those groups. And, and I'm specifically talking about contemporary worship right now, but um, I listen to them and then I see, I try to find similarities. Um, and then, um, and then I start, 
once I start hearing the sound of what the capital C church sounds like, um, uh, then I, I, I start putting it under a huge micro, what they're saying under a huge theological microscope, um, is what they're saying theologically correct. And if not, I, if, if I can't in my spirit, um, and in my prayer life come to a, uh, a conclusion that what they're saying and what they're doing and what they're putting out there lines up complete with scripture. I, I can't do it. Prime example, a song right now that is very popular in worship culture is the song champion mm-hmm. by, uh, by Bethel worship. When I heard this song the first time I wept because I was like, God, this is so powerful. And, but, but there was something when it came to the bridge, when it says, um, um, when I lift my voice and shout, um, oh, what is it? When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority Jesus has given me. Um, whenever you study Greek, the 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 tense in which things are said and the environment in which things are said matters. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Like you can't get past. Um, it's not just what the sentence says. It's, it's what what is the context in which it said and when you study scripture and you talk about hermeneutics and 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 you can't you know you can take scripture out of uh, context really quick if you don't understand the environment in which it's in like i said i was moved by the song champion but then i started thinking about it it's like well okay but listen to what he's listen to what uh i think it's dante bow bowie or bow is singing what is number one? What is, what is his heart here? What is he trying to communicate here? But what it, what is the undertone of what he's saying here? Um, and I I could not shake that the focus of the bridge was on the person and not on the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it was I have the authority. Like the emphasis in the bridge was I have the authority, and then it was like, oh, by the way, Jesus has given this to me, and for me. Even though I love the verses and the chorus of the song, you are my champion, uh, giants fall when you stand, you're undefeated. I mean, I, that's, that's incredible mm-hmm. lyrics. Yes, Jesus has empowered us through the, through the cross. Yes, he has given us the Holy Spirit. I agree with all those things. But the glory should come, come be given to him and it shouldn't be on us. Yeah, right. God's got to be the focus of a worship song. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, we're, we're ascribing worth to him, not to ourselves. Correct. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, so, so I, to kind of round all that out, um, I, um, so my, my process is, is what, what does the Capital C Church sound like? And then let's figure out, now let's get down the nitty gritty, what's, what, what theologically is correct. And typically to do that, I'll run that by other pastors I'll run that by friends at other churches. Um, I run it by my wife, uh, who uh, she, just to give you a little bit of background on Hannah, she grew up uh, Pentecostal holiness. So she kind of looks at things, uh, which also disclaimer, she is Southern Baptist now. She goes to a Southern Baptist church. She believes our theology, so on and so forth. Um, I know it can be easy to get hung up on on things. But she she looks at things through a little bit different lens occasionally. She's and not allowed to raise her hands anymore. That's what that that's, means. That's what it is. she can't Oh my. Yeah, that's what it is. She can't Jeez. she can't run her laps anymore. Um so uh I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So the I, I, I run it by other people and um get their opinion on it. 
Um, one thing, one thing that I think is really important is is to not get caught up in your opinion and your opinion only when mm-hmm. it comes to choosing worship songs. Um, you, I, although I, I think I've been given a gift to be able to decipher some of these things. That's part of being a worship pastor and being called to this. Um, I, I think it's it's important that Scripture be the ultimate guiding, you know, guiding point right. by all of this. So. Mm-hmm. So what's it what's it like to be called to worship ministry, man? Um, we got a lot of people who out there are trying to decipher whether or not they, um, you know, they're called to be a pastor. They're called to be a worship leader. Some of them have been gifted musically. Um, what was your process of being called to the worship ministry? How did you know this is what the Lord had for you? I was at North Greenville University in a chapel service my sophomore year. A guy named Stephen Furtick was preaching, and um, and he was preaching on. Um, uh, where Jesus says there a time is coming uh, even now when uh, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth, which is a little bit uh, diving into the book that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that in that service, I, I felt a strong call that um, God wanted me to train worship leaders um, and and show them what it's like to worship in spirit and in truth. And what it's not like to worship in spirit and in truth. Um, I was a music ed major at North Greenville University. Um, I decided not to change my major because I felt like if I'm called to teach, it's important to have that education piece. Um, a lot of people were pushing for me to change my major to church music, and I, I prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, and the Lord never gave me a piece about changing my major because I knew I needed that education piece. I knew I needed to know how to teach people how to be musicians. But I also need to teach them how to, how to how to be a worship leader, and 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 that education piece would just be you know invaluable. So, um, I I would I would say there are lots of people out there that can play an instrument. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people out there that can sing. There are lots of creative types out there. That does not mean that you are called to be in worship. I would say uh, the first piece, and this is not me trying to pat myself on the back or anything like that, um, so please don't hear that. I think the first piece is you have to be humble to be a worship pastor. Um, You are not in control. You think you're in control sometimes, but you are not. The pastor is in control. You are the worship leader. The pastor is the lead worshiper. Mm. That's not something I feel like a lot of people really think about often. Yeah, like we take our cue from what the pastor is doing, right? Mm-hmm. We take our cue from from his sermon. We take our cue from how the Holy Spirit is moving in him in the service. If Pastor Drew walks up on the platform and says, hey, I'm not preaching today. <laughs> you know, this service is working and moving. Uh, the Lord's moving. I'm not preaching. I want to sing that song three more times, and then we're going home. The Holy Spirit has prompted him. I need to follow that, mm. you know. So for for you to be able to do that, that means you got to put your plans aside. You got to be humble, you know. You got to say, man, you know what? All this, all those plans I worked on all week don't matter right now. <laughs> what the pastor is pushing us to do matters. So I'd say humility is the first thing. Um, if you're struggling with humility, you don't you don't need to be lead, the out front leader. You need to mm-hmm. wait. Um, I, I think that's that's a good thing for prospective worship leaders to hear because stereotypically, worship pastors out there have this kind of 
peacock aura about them. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about me, myself, and I. I'm drawing the show to myself. It's all in the way that I dress. It's all in the way that I sing. It's all the way that I write. Right. Uh, um. And so that is, um, kind of an interesting thing for for you to highlight first. And I think it's good for prospective worship leaders to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm really glad that the process in which we have for our student bands that they go through in order to be a part of that is they get asked the question, why do you want to be a worship leader? Yep. And and oftentimes we'll follow that up with, well, what do you think makes a good worship leader? Yep. Uh, and, and strangely enough, I mean, it's not really strange, but a good number of our students that are now on our worship team for our student ministry said, I think that that's got to be a humble person. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not, if you're not humble or like, and it's not like a, an attempt at being humble. It's not the humble brag. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not humble for, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a faux humility where it's like, you know, they occasionally say, you know, to, to God be the glory only or. You know, like there, it's a, it's like it's in their person, mm-hmm. like it's it's a part of their personality. Yeah. Um. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, there there is an element, part of being a, a worship pastor and being a being on a worship team. You are the face of that ministry, so there are things where you know you need to be a little more. Uh, I would say like squeaky clean on. You need to be able to talk in front of people. You need to be able to. You, you don't need to, you know, get up on Sunday morning and look like you aren't put together and you just rolled out of bed, you know, things like that. Stuff like that does matter. So something more than a deep V-neck shirt? Something more than saying? a deep V-neck shirt. Um, uh, you know, it, it you're, the way you look, because Pete, you don't want to be a distraction, you know, on Sunday mornings. You don't want your congregation looking at you and focusing on, man, that guy, you know, just rolled out of bed. He doesn't look like he's ready to be here. You know, you need to you need to take care of yourself. Um I would say the the other um, the other big piece outside of the the obvious like you know you need to be called you need to have a moment almost very similar to salvation where you can point to and say I feel like God called me to worship leadership here um, I think you need to be reliable um, so humble reliable uh, reliable meaning like you show up on time. You're not ridiculously late to everything. You're you're not a diva. Yeah, and <laughs> and you're not getting you're not getting mad when something doesn't go your way. Like reliability extends past just being prompt. It it it's like, are you a consistent person? Mm-hmm. You know, um, are you the same person? Another part of reliability. Are you the same person in front of people that you are at home? You know, if people don't know how to be- if people know how to behave around you. Um, at church, but then they hang out with you outside of church and you're a completely different person. That's not reliable. Mm -mm. Well, and something that I think that you exemplify a lot that I would say is a really, really important quality for a worship pastor is a heart to be a shepherd. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of times people, and and we're going to get into this question of what do you do as a worship pastor, but a lot of people have this mindset that, oh, the worship pastor is just the guy that sings on Sunday. Um, but you shepherd students, you shepherd the people on your team, you shepherd uh, the people, you know, you, you have a whole choir and an orchestra and stuff like that, that you're overseeing. And those people, you need to be reliable for them and you need to help guide them and shepherd them in what it looks like to be worship leaders, what it looks like to uh, be followers of Jesus. You're helping in the discipleship process, like all of those things. So I think that's something a lot of people overlook mm-hmm. is that 
you are still a pastor. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You definitely are. You um being a being a worship pastor, if if you're not willing to one thing I've heard you say and heard, heard other people say, if you aren't willing to smell like your sheep, then you're not pastoring them. If you're mm-hmm. not going to be around them, then you're not pastoring them. Which what what has made COVID nineteen so difficult, it, specifically for my field, is there's so many restrictions out there on singing and gathering, and I mean everything we do is in large groups except for like your band, and they're spread out across the state. So mm-hmm. it's it's been very very difficult. Uh, but yeah, you gotta you gotta talk to them about their problem. Like when we do our Bible studies, uh, we do a Bible study with the with the main stage band um, every time we rehearse. You know, the reason I do that is because these are real people that have real struggles, and um, those struggles could potentially affect their ability to lead on Sunday morning. Well, let's let's work through those before we even dive into rehearsal. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's important that the the whole humble, reliable, and and the shepherding piece, you know, you have to be willing to do those things. It's not just a gig. Um, that's why I said at the beginning, you know, just because you're a creative type doesn't mean that you're called to worship. Yeah, there are several people I know that are creative types that have no business leading worship, and I don't I don't mean that in a hateful way. They're more capable than I am from a musician standpoint, but the heart life isn't there. Right, that's a good word. Um, so <clears throat> let's um, hit this one last question here, and then we'll move into our discussion about the book. Um, so, Josh, what do you do as a worship pastor? What do you do, Josh? What do I do? Well, I'll tell you what I do. Um, <laughs> Why do you come here every day? <laughs> right. A lot of people think he's just a guy. Your job is just on Sunday mornings, right? That's it. Um, so what do I do? Uh, I, I'll just give you a weekly play-by-play. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. Uh, let's start with Sunday. Sunday morning, I show up uh, around. Uh, my team gets here between seven thirty and eight. I get here between eight and eight thirty. Um, I warm up. I pray. Uh, check, make sure all my stuff is where it needs to be. Make sure all my people have what they need. That team includes like tech and AV yeah. and all that as well. Just so everybody knows, it's not just the musicians on the stage. Oh yeah, like I go and check on my folks. I'll go check on. Right now, Kevin is our you know, our interim, uh, AV director, so to, so to speak. And, and I'll go check on him, make sure he's good. I'll go check on our, our interns, make sure they're good in their places. And then our, our like volunteers show up. Yeah. Right. So between eight thirty and eight forty-five, um, I'm, you know, kind of for lack of a term, better terms, moving and shaking, making sure that they, you know, they, they have everything they need talking to them, um, seeing how their week went as they're, as they're getting their stuff together. Um, and then from 8.45 to, to, um, 8.45 to the start of service, I, re- I have a few brief rehearsals with our traditional folks. I rehearse with our accompanist and our orchestra. Um, and then I go and work with our choir to make sure that they're our, our right now small ensemble. It's not really a choir, like in terms of mass choir. Um, and then we have a traditional service. I run the traditional service. Uh, after that, I'll go backstage and I'll listen to the to the pastor's sermon from my office and just keep up with what's going on um, and while I'm back there I'm pre- I'm prepping for the next service then I'll come back out when he's landing the plane with the sermon I'll come back out and I will uh, lead the last song with a team uh, after that I immediately go and cha- either change clothes <laughs> um, or uh, just get ready for the next service um, then I lead that next service then Hannah and I will go uh, sit sit down in the front pew for the contemporary service. Um, 
do the contemporary service, and then we go after the service is over, we go get lunch, and then we come back and we have uh, student band rehearsals. Uh, that goes till about three thirty, four o'clock, something like that. Um, so Sunday's a pretty full day for you. Sunday's a very full day. At some point, we try to squeeze. We finally gotten into our connect group. Yeah, you know? that same one that I'm in. Yeah, with J May. Um, it's been been really, really, really good. I like I like being there. Um, but uh, we. You know, then we go to connect group. So, so Sunday is a very, very full day for us. Um, if we have a night of prayer, like we do this upcoming Sunday, I'll be back here from uh, probably six thirty to eight. Pro- well, for me, it'll be more or like five five forty five to about eight fifteen, um, just to make sure everything is mm-hmm. set and ready to go. Uh, the next morning, uh, so I go, I go go home, get in the bed. Mondays, I have meetings all day on Monday. Um, I've got production meeting at nine thirty. Um, uh, once our new worship associate gets here, uh, Bailey Tyler, she'll be here on December fourteenth. Uh, we'll both be in that production meeting together. After that, um, uh, I'll have a meeting with her and my 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 actually my staff. Uh, after that, we we'll go to lunch, uh, come back, and then I've got executive staff meeting, and then we've got uh, pastors pastor staff meeting. After that, so and that's that's the entire Monday. I, yeah, Monday is a, a meeting day. I'm yeah. in a lot of meetings on Mondays. Yeah. Tuesday is a rehearsal day um, and a one-on-one meeting day for people that I need to have one-on-one meetings with. Uh, that does happen regularly. Um, I'm one of those meetings. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, and, and and so that's Tuesday's the day where I really hone my musician craft, if you will. Uh, Wednesdays I focus on uh, planning services. I try to have services planned out a month and a half to to three months in advance. And so that's that's a lot of a lot of listening to songs, figuring out what songs work together, what songs don't work together, then getting it approved by the pastor. If he didn't like it, then it's back to the drawing board. Um, when uh, that evening, where uh, Hannah and I come back, and we have middle school midweek, where we both lead in some way, shape, or form. That's on Tuesday. It's on Tuesday nights. Uh, Wednesdays come in. Um, Typically Wednesdays, I'm focusing on, uh, like I said, you know, the worship set. Uh, we come back uh, Wednesday night uh, for high school midweek, where we're both leading in some way, shape, or form. Just so everybody knows, once our worship associate Bailey gets here, that's gonna come greatly off of your plate. So if anybody's like wondering right now, man, our worship pastor is gonna die if he keeps his pace up. Um, he's not gonna keep this full pace up. Man, of if COVID didn't nights. kill him, this won't kill him. <laughs> Sorry. One thing I forgot to mention about Sundays is I, I occasionally check in during the day on Sunday on IBS, our Hispanic worship leaders there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanner and Michael do a great job of making sure that, that everything they need is facilitated. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Thursday comes along, which is today, which Thursday tends to be a little bit lighter day for me, which I need. Yeah. I need that to be a lighter day so I can... Go make sure all my I's are dotted, my T's are crossed for worship this upcoming Sunday. Uh, that's where I really focus on this Sunday, uh, you know, the upcoming Sunday. And then Thursday night, uh, typically on Thursday afternoons, I have a meeting with Pastor Drew to go over worship services for the future, uh, worship plans, um, uh, what what my, it's kind of a 30,000 foot of the worship ministry, which I'm really, really excited about pushing off in January, which we may get to talk about at some point, I don't know. Um, but then, uh, Thursday night we have a uh, band rehearsal. Uh, one thing that I don't come to that happens on Wednesday night is our orchestra rehearses. I forgot to mention that they rehearse. I think it, uh, I think they rehearse from six forty-five or seven to about eight, eight fifteen. Mm. 
Uh, very grateful for Jen because she jumps in there and does that, and I don't have to think about it. Um, I just get to minister to those guys um, and and talk to them and get to know them on Sunday morning. It's just great. Her, she does a fantastic job. Um, so that's kind of the week. Friday I have off uh, for the past three years. It has been Fridays have always been my grad school day, where I'm trying to land the plane for uh, getting this degree, which tomorrow is the. Last one, finally, get to defend that thesis and be done. Well done, sir. Yes, so excited. Saturday is a day for me and Hannah. I try to turn my phone off or put it on Do Not Disturb, except for my friends um, and my pastor, just in case there's some sort of an emergency. Um, I would say my pastor and, and Pastor Dan fall in that. Everybody else just gets the mute button. I get a lot of memes from you on Saturday. Yeah, it's because it's, it's a social <laughs> day, you know? I'm not I'm not focusing on work. Um because Sunday's a work day. So Friday and Saturday are kind of our weekend, if you will. Yeah. And that's that's prototypical. Every day I start out, I, first thing I do is I pull out my pull out my, my version app, and I read the Bible. That's the first thing I do when I wake up in the mornings. And I just pray and ask God for guidance. Um, I, I would say I live in a constant state of prayer, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> with so much stuff going on. Lord, don't let me make a mistake, you know. Yeah. If you will be the, you're the author and perfecter of my faith. I'm asking you to be the author and perfecter of my worship leading, um, as well. So, um, that's that's, that's kind of cool. where I'm. That's cool. You've got a very very chock full week every week. So, uh, so if you think that worship pastors only do Sunday stuff on Sundays, um, not you true. are sorely mistaken. Yes, sorely yes. mistaken, guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want you to sing a worship song this Sunday with that voice. Funny you say that. <laughs> this is my testimony from death to life. I literally got that in a voice recording last <laughs> night after after midweek and stuff. I got home and I sent him because we're we're both trying to you know eat better and stuff like that. So I sent him a picture of like how my log to that day, and his response was. That yeah, <laughs> by Jesus Christ, you're righteous. I'm justified. This, this is, is the rest of the uh, the rest of the podcast uh, is going to be us asking you to do do now do this song do this no, song. That's right. <laughs> D- disclaimer culture. Uh, that is not me knocking speech impediments. I had a speech impediment for six and a half years of my life and went through massive speech therapy. Um, that's why I can do that that way because that's the way I talked as a kid. Um, so anyway, yeah. All right, so let's um, let's jump into this uh, chapter, chapter number five of spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, not the Christmas life. Um, We're coming back to the chapter on worship. Yeah, oh, wow. That it's, was actually really good. It's all about <laughs> God. Um, so uh, th- like we said before, this chapter is about worship. Um, so we're just going to have a little bit of a discussion, kind of like we usually do, except we've got a third person in the mix um, on what this chapter's contents have. So one of the things that he talks about is specifically on page 86 is that we have a tendency to do um, specific things that are not correct on Sunday. Um, so the question here is, why do we have a tendency on Sunday as believers to just give God a routine gift, sing a few customary songs, and then totally neglect him while we focus on others and enjoy the performance of what's happening. So can I jump in here? Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, that that through my studies at Liberty and through just talking to worship pastors in general, and, I, and I'm speaking to 
Um, I would say specifically evangelical Southern uh, to focus a little more, a little more on Southern Baptist for a generation. Uh, I would say probably eighties. I would say eighties to to nine the nineties to early two thousands. There is a massive push uh, for discipleship. Disclaimer: Culture coming back. This is not me saying discipleship is not important. Discipleship is va- is so valuable, and it 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 should be one of the forefronts of everything we do as a church. Mm. I'm not saying that it is not valuable. Uh, so please do not hear that. I do think in the push to make discipleship valuable, um, we have taught that worship isn't as valuable. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would also kind of, and this isn't a pushback for that, but it's kind of in addition to that. I think that we've pushed the concept of discipleship as being important, but we haven't accomplished discipling. Because if we were accomplished, accomplishing discipling followers of Jesus well, right. then they would have the correct perspective yes. when they enter the room on Sunday. Is, yes. that, is that fair? Yes, and I think it's because we, we, have, we have pushed discipleship to the point where it is a— um, it it's like oh discipleship is going to this class and sitting here and listening to, to this teacher and yep. oh I've been discipled now mm-hmm. and and there's no push to put things in practice worship is where you put at least corporate worship is part of where you put that discipleship in practice yeah. um, and it's where you get to in, engage with your brothers and sisters with God you know and uh, so I would say the reason we've made it routine is because we've made we've made discipleship routine. But we've we've also taken everybody's eyes and pointed it at discipleship, and so worship slowly has become oh that's just that thing we go and do before we mm. go disciple we go to do our discipleship stuff. Um, I, I know a lot of my brothers and sisters would probably push back on that. So well, that's not what I mean. Proof's in the pudding. I mean, <laughs> step up on a stage and stare at your people. You know, like yeah. there are lots of people up there with a glazed over look on their face, and they're probably the same people with a glazed over look in their discipleship classes too. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it's just easier to go through the motions. Yeah. Yep. It, uh, you know, worship is not just a light switch that you flick on in order to be prepared. Um, Correct. You know, if you want to have, if you want to cultivate a habit of worship, you need to start first off by cultivating a habit of putting the necessary time in preparing for worship. Mm. You know, so many people get up, they're they're running haggard on a Sunday morning. You know, if you've got kids, you're you're getting kids ready. Um and you you just rush into the worship sanctuary and you're just not you're not focused on God. It's just so much easier to go through the motions, check off the box and move on to the next thing. We got but you know, it, it takes time to cultivate this habit of worship and, you know, distraction makes it difficult to focus on Jesus as well. Um, You know, worship just cannot exist Mm. in a rushed environment. It it, it just can't. Um, So I I would say that a a lot of people, um, they just give that routine customary gift because it's easier rather than putting in the work and slowing down in our fast paced culture, taking a deep breath Yep. And just meditating on and focusing on God before we even open our mouths. Yeah, and I think that's good because that really goes back to the previous disciplines that we've mm, already talked about. That's right. Which is Bible intake um, and prayer. I mean, without those two things consistent in your life, um, how are you going to properly worship God? Because then you don't... Because 
we've learned through Bible intake and meditation on the scripture and through prayer, that's how you get to know God more. Right. And mm-hmm. you cultivate and grow that relationship, which fuels the opportunity for you to praise him for who he is because Absolutely. you know more about who he is. Absolutely. You can't worship something that you haven't experienced. So so you you used a word there that I really liked. You used to, as a descriptor as of the offering. You used the word easy. Um, you know, in, in perspective, to challenge our people that are listening to this, challenge our students, challenge the adults, put, I would say push yourself a little bit. You know, if it means you need to get up a little bit earlier on Sunday morning so you can have some time where it's just you and the Lord or a little bit longer time before the service, I would challenge you. I heard a speaker one time that said, don't do your quiet time in the evening on Sunday because you're getting something in the morning. You need to do your quiet time before you come to church mm-hmm. so that you and the Lord have had some time to talk and to to work through some things that you may that may be going in your mind that may be distracting you, right? Don't do the easy thing. I mean, if we're if we're supposed to use Jesus as an example in everything that we do, the cross was not easy. Right. It was not simple. You know, it was very difficult. Um so, you know, we want to we want to push ourselves in in our worship life as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but um so many people spend little to no time with the Lord throughout the week yep. yeah. and then, you know, expect to have this light switch, you know, difference mm. when they show up on a Sunday morning. Well, if you if you haven't been cultivating that relationship with the Lord throughout the week, you know, worshiping the Lord corporately is going to feel awkward on a Sunday morning. Yes. And you don't have the time for it to not feel awkward. So can, can I can I interject for a second? Yeah. Um, one thing that's, I think a big, a big, big, big misconception is that you have a worship time in a worship service, Mm. right? The entire worship, the whole service is worship. What pastor drew is offering. Okay. Yes, it is the Lord. We believe that's the Lord speaking to us and, and showing us what we should be doing, uh, in, in the week. It's a lesson that we're getting from the Lord. Yes. But it's also an offering. It's something he's prepared Mm -hmm. to give back. Right, he is he the the so worship is theology and doxology. Right, uh, theology is what we believe about God. Right, doxology is the response to that belief. So he is making these proclamations. It's a part of a process. If you look at the Bible, there's this heartbeat. There's a like if a heart pumps and then releases. Right. Well, the theology is the pump. The doxology is the release. That's how mm-hmm. the blood moves. That's the like the heartbeat and the blood of the church. Right. That's really good. So. If if Pastor Drew is coming in and he's pouring out this theology, what is the congregation supposed to be doing when he's pouring out this theology? Responding. Responding mm-hmm. to him. That's what drives me nuts about worship when people are sitting there and he's preaching and he makes this incredible point, and it's like crickets in the room. And this is where I, I, I tend to just, I guess this is where I come in my shepherding role. As a as Southern Baptists, okay, our our tradition, quote unquote, is to stop and listen to the teaching. It is teaching. Don't hear me the wrong way, but it's also a time where you can worship. Like that's why we got a brother Felton that that is in the church. Man, anytime, anytime, I think Felton talks more than Drew. Yeah, in the worship service. oh yeah, but it's Super be- but it's because he is responding in worship. To proper theology, that's what that is a biblical response, Absolutely. people. 
Yeah. It is not enough for you just to sit there and listen to the man. You need to respond when it's and, something and, is true. And that helps fuel the pastor as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the encouragement is uh, from from the body while the pa- pastor is teaching fuels the pastor to keep continuing sharing the truth. It's this reciprocal nature. It's a heartbeat. Yeah. It goes back mm-hmm. to the pump and the release, pump and the release. That's what drives me nuts. I'm about to get on a soapbox. Y'all just going to have to hold on, okay? <laughs> That's what drives me nuts when, like, people – People come up to me and be like, I watched, you know, ABC Church and this, you know, the pastor's up there preaching. He's just getting going and everybody's just shouting and blah, blah. Well, what do you want him to do? You I want mean, him to sit there? I mean, I don't, I don't understand. That's not a biblical response sitting there and mouth For the breathe. record, if you go to Abilene Baptist Church, we were not referring to you. Oh, AB, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just said church. ABC. But like, what do you, do you think God wants you to sit there and mouth breathe while he's, while the, while the pastor sounds, he wants you to be actively involved in what's going on. Yeah, That's part of this heartbeat. That's part of this thought process. If you look at the scripture and you look at how God works, it is theology, doxology, over and over and over and over and over again. That's one of the heartbeats. The other one is basically through, you know, from the beginning of time all the way up into Jesus, God was con- consistently reinventing the sanctuary so that he can be with us. Mm-hmm. Right, the first sanctuary being the Garden of Eden, and then you got X number ones all the way up until when Jesus died, the curtain split, and now He can be with us through the Holy Spirit at all times. Right? Mm-hmm. If that is a thing that is happening all throughout Scripture, shouldn't we embrace that heartbeat? For or the sh- record, the uh, this is my soapbox. My turn. My Go. turn. My turn. The church is not God's house. Correct. Yeah. You are God's house. Yeah. Yes. You, when it says that your body is a temple of the Lord, it's not saying you need to eat clean and keep from doing drugs. All right, mm-hmm. those are good things. But when it says your body is a temple of the Lord, um, it's saying you need to care for it, especially sexually, because that's the context Absolutely. of that passage. But but you are the place that the that the Holy Spirit dwells. The yeah. Lord's presence is with you. And you should take that very seriously when you worship him. Obedience is an act of worship. Mm. That's what you're talking about. True. Yeah. Well, and so kind of to transition to our next question, you hit on this earlier, Josh. Whitney gives this idea about worshiping in spirit and truth, um, but he doesn't really, in my opinion, he doesn't give a whole lot of um, practicality to that. Um, like what that looks like, he kind of just says, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, so what are some ways that we can actually do that? Like how do we actually worship in spirit and in truth? And, you know, for anybody that's wondering and just wants to skip to the page, um, a lot of that's on page 91 at the top. So, uh, but yeah, the question being like, how do we actually practically worship in spirit and truth? I mean, that's for either of you to answer. Uh, I would say, you know, this is a, there are very heady topics in the Bible, and this is definitely one of them, Mm. spirit and truth. Practically speaking, when I said earlier that I feel like I'm in this perpetual state of prayer all the time, that's me interacting with the spirit. That's me listening to it. Like even even when we're sitting in staff meetings, there are times when I want to respond to things that I may agree or, and or disagree with. And I'll, I'll, you know, Lord, should I say something here or should I just keep my mouth shut? You know, um, I, I think being in a... Or should I just text Dakota or Kyle? Yes, <laughs> yes, and say thumbs up or thumbs down or should I keep my mouth shut or should I not? Um, no, um, 
I I sincerely do that on a regular basis because I feel like if I'm not in a constant state of interacting with the Lord, then I'm not having a relationship with Him. Mm. So uh, for me, uh, you know, worshiping in spirit means being constantly like in a perpetual state of of connection with Him, and it like it's not like. We said going through the motions earlier. It's not like you're sitting in the worship service and you're kind of sort of there. I'm just here just because the, the Bible says I should be here. Mm. No, like you're you're honestly a part of that, you know, and, and you're talking to God. You're you're engaging with him. Um in terms of truth, I think the word truth is speaking to kind of Kyle's point earlier, um, your obedience in your private life of worship. And any in your private life of, of behavior, so that when you come on Sunday mornings, yes, the blood of Jesus covers us. We believe that once you accept, uh, once you accept Jesus Christ as, as Savior and Lord of your life, He forgives your sins in the past. He forgives your sins currently, and the sins you're going to commit in the future. Mm-hmm. We believe that He is, you know, He is in all of those those time spaces, right? And He has forgiven all of that. With that being said. You know, like like the book of Romans says, does that mean we just continue sinning, right? Well, if you're coming to church on Sunday morning and you're pretending to be this, this you know, this person that has been engaged with God all week, and and in reality, you know, you know, you've you know, been doing things that does not honor God in previous week, you're not coming to that service in truth. Mm. So, for me, a practical way of thinking about. It, is are you constantly engaged in a in a conversation with the Lord, both through Scripture and through prayer, not just one or the other, both? And have you is there something that you need to repent of before you worship? Is there something you've done? And it may be an attitude. A lot of people think repentance means, oh, did I look at something online that I'm not supposed to look at, or did it, what, you know, did I get drunk this week, or did I, you know, just I'm just throwing random sins, you know, sin sinful acts out there. It's not just that. It's it's your thought life too. You know, it's it's like, did I think something about somebody that I shouldn't have thought? Mm. Do I, you know, is there somewhere where I'm struggling with my pride that I need to let go? I need to release, and you know, which are all heady topics too. I yeah, know. I think to me, what you've described is what the balance of spirit and truth looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, Whitney. Whitney takes a little bit of a different take. For him, when he says truth, he says, he, he says the the focus on the rightness of Scripture, and when he says spirit, um, I think I think it's a little bit reductionistic to say that you know spirit is is purely just emotions. I think it, I think it's far more than that. Uh, but to me, the key line on this page was meditation on the truth rightly done can kindle the emotions of worship. Yep. And that to me is where the balance comes into play. If if you're experiencing these emotions uh, and they're not based upon the truth, they're in vain. But I also know so many people who are so focused on the truth that you could not tell by looking at them that their heart has been changed by it because Ooh. they are as stiff as a doornail yep. when it comes to uh, when it comes to worship, I think when you are not just reading the word, not just taking in the word, not just hearing the word being preached, but thinking about it and meditating on it and 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 uh, almost this internal application to your life, mm-hmm. I think according to what 
what he says several times in this passage, it's almost like a, a sneeze. It just worship begins to automatically happen when you've rightly meditated on the word. Yes. So with something Whitney says, this is on page 90 at the bottom. He says, how shall we honor God in worship? By saying, it's my duty or by saying, it's my joy. Well, technically, that's Piper. He was quoting John Piper there. Yeah, but, but I'm, yeah. it's his book. It's so. in the book. But I, I, um, I love that thought process, okay? Um, to me, that's the essence of knowing whether you're, you are in spirit and truth or not. Duty says, I'm just trying to get this out of the way, right? I'm just here to mm-hmm. go through the motions, get it over with. Uh, joy says... This is who I, this is a part of who I am, and I'm celebrating everything that God has done. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's huge, I think. Well, and that's a really good segue to this uh, next question. I'm gonna just so you know, Kyle, I'm gonna hit this question, and then um, we're gonna move into the uh, recommendations for okay. students and parents and stuff because we gotta start landing the plane. We're we're going a lot longer than normal. Um, <laughs> I'm going to blame that on that's, Josh. That's your fault. Uh, I told Dakota. you I get on soapboxes. <laughs> um, so Dakota telling us all about Japanese cuisine. You ask the questions. Uh, <laughs> Do you prefer noodles or rice? We're we're going to move on from Ooh, that. One. <laughs> that's a good question. Sorry. Uh, typically noodles. Um, so <laughs> squirrel. Whitney implies the idea of doing it with being worship. Um, until it works. Um, he implies this idea. He does the same thing a little bit. We talked about it, about uh, Bible intake of, and, and prayer even. Of If you just do it, you'll start to feel like it's working and you'll start to connect mm-hmm. and, and, and those things will be feeling. So the question is, is that good advice when it comes to, to worship? I mean, I would say... In, in the one sense, yes, but in the other sense, no. I was a little frustrated by that. I feel like he could have uh, teased that out a little bit a little bit more, yeah. especially considering the chapter itself was a little bit on the shorter side. I just felt like there was a lot left to be said that he didn't say. There's not a lot of practicality. Yeah, I mean, it begs the question, can one truly worship without feeling like it? Uh, I would say that you cannot truly worship without feeling like it, but that does not mean that someone shouldn't participate in worshipful activities like attending church or reading the Bible or praying. To me, this highlights the subtle difference between worship and love. Mm. Okay? Uh, there are times in my spiritual disciplines um, mm. when they are done out of both worship and love of my Creator, it, out of the joy that I experience in Him, um, you know, I, I'm just welled up with joy of what he's done for me and who he is. And out of my joy, I, I obey him and I sing worship to him and I, I pray worshipful things to him. I, I express my delight in him. You know, delight yourself in the Lord is the verses quoted in the book. But then there are times um, that I do them out of love for my creator. I don't necessarily feel like obeying God in that moment or doing what he wants for me, but I do it because he deserves it. Uh, and I'm, and, and I, that is in a sense saying I do it because it's my, it's my duty. Um, but, but the reality is uh, one thing that parenting has taught me is I love my kids no matter what. And there are, because of my love for them, there are some things that I do for them, not because I want to, 
but because I love them. Yeah. And so I think there is a subtle difference between love and worship. So I say that one cannot truly worship without feeling like it, but that that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't show up. Correct. On the flip side, I I would I would be very hesitant to say go through the motions until you feel like it because I, I believe that there I don't want to accidentally teach people that it's okay to go through the motions in worship. Right. And that I, I would rather one of my students not sing in the middle of a conference or a worship set if they're not if they're not feeling it, if they don't truly mean it. Sure. Then to go through the motions until they do mean it. What I would rather them do is sit there and pray and say, Lord, I don't feel like worshiping you right now. Right now, I am not delighting myself in you. Please show me again. Restore unto me the joy of who you are. We forget that's a psalm. That's a verse in the psalm. That is a worship song. If you're not feeling joy in the Lord, one of the things that you can do to express worship is to ask the Lord to restore unto you the joy of who he is and let the onus be put on him. Well, I think think it's important to remember um, that... Nobody is going to get this right every single time. Right, absolutely. I, th- I think if you if you put that expectation on, you're flirting with legalism and you're flirting with you know uh, perfectionism, yeah. and and that's that's not a road we want to go down. There, the beauty of the of of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ is when we fall short, He doesn't. Absolutely. And when we believe, you know, in in worship, we we do believe this as Southern Baptists that. Uh, going to that Trinitarian model of worship, which is a completely different podcast. But w- believing that Jesus Christ is our high priest means that he takes our imperfect act of worship and he perfects it yes. and gives it to the Father. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's never going to be perfect worship. So you shouldn't just decide to not worship God. Correct. Because you can never be perfect enough at it. Right. Yeah. The, but like you, know, like you said, it, there, sh- there should be some genuineness to it. And sometimes genuineness is, is Lord, I'm here. And I don't feel like being here, but I'm here because I love you, and I I just don't know what else to do. That's better than not, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, right. Uh, so Kyle, um, what what are your biggest takeaways for students, and what are your biggest takeaways for parents and or adult leaders? So my biggest takeaway for students is this: um, worship cannot be rushed or distracted. Mm. If students want to experience the worship uh, of God, they need to remove themselves from their distractions. They need to actually take some time to prepare themselves for worship, study God's word. And, and, and the biggest key is meditating on, on, on God's word. Mm. Uh, I think worship, when that happens, it, it will instinctively begin to happen as a result. We didn't get a chance to go over this question because uh, you, had, you had originally asked, you know, uh, worship, you know, Whitney says that worship is a discipline to be cultivated. Yeah. What does it look like to cultivate worship as a discipline? Um to me, the way you do that is through meditation of Scripture. Mm-hmm. You want to cultivate uh, worship as a habit, um, then you need to cultivate cultivate meditation on Scripture as a habit. Yeah. That is the bridge between merely taking in the Bible and taking in the truth and actually experiencing God. I One of the things that I believe as a result of reading the word and reading this chapter is that worship instinctively begins to happen when we encounter God for who he is. When you truly encounter God for who he is, you will worship. Mm. 
And I, I, so if, if students want to cultivate that habit and want to actually worship week in and week out, they need to spend the time to actually experience God first before they actually worship. Um, my biggest takeaway for parents and adult leaders is, um, is, is that if you truly want to disciple your students, you can't stand off to the periphery. Yeah. Mm. We want our students to experience the Lord. We want our students to worship. We want our students to, um, to experience God and, and give him the glory that is due him. But, but so often we want them to do them while we watch from the back, while we watch from the sidelines. How can our students know what worship looks like if we don't first model it for mm. them? And I'm not talking about necessarily they need to see it, what the proper way is to raise your hands. You know, can you go over your head? Did you put deodorant on? <laughs> do you do you keep your hands out in front of you? Do you sway back and forth? You know, what are the proper mechanics of of the quote unquote worship posture? But but they need to see that the leaders that are discipling them to fall in love with the Lord actually do love the Lord and are worshiping Him passionately. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Let's wrap this up with our recommendation. Oh, it's me. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing the recommendation. You are doing the recommendation. Um, I am very intrigued by this recommendation <laughs> because normally I would run away from this particular recommendation. It sounds hideous. Okay, so. The <laughs> what's written in the show notes here is all I wrote was bag of cats. Okay, which unless cats. you're taking that bag of cats <laughs> and you are now swinging it around <laughs> and beating it against the wall, I don't understand why this would be a recommendation. So the recommendation is the phrase. Um, so the other night, um, Josh and like Hannah, all that and a bag of cats. No, um, Josh and Hannah were hanging out at our house and we were watching Stranger Things, and he used the phrase "bag of cats" as a descriptor for uh, what's her name in the Joyce. show for Joyce in the in the show, and she is an absolute. Which one? Which mess. one is Joyce? It's been a while. She's Will's mom. Will's mom. So, oh, so yeah. like she's the one that's hanging all the lights on the walls and and you know <laughs> she had talking to the lights going. Talk to me, Will. Talk to me. And I just said, I said Joyce. Uh, Joyce is as crazy as a bag of cats. <laughs> and I lost my mind. Yes. I thought that that was the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. Okay, um, I can get behind this. Yeah, isn't I that I can get great? behind this because, I mean, we all know that cats are terrible <laughs> creatures. So I I think that the, the descriptor bag of cats is brilliant. And I just wanted to recommend that. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start using that. I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm gonna say things like, uh, like uh, you know, Pastor Drew was crazier than a bag of cats. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Do you want me to edit that out so that? No, nah, I mean, it's or like, do you want me to cut that out and send it to him? He he was acting crazy. Well, to 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 make sure we say the phrase correctly. I, what I said was Joyce is a bag is of cats. Is a bag of cats. Is a bag, is a bag, of, bag of cats. I thought that was incredible. And so. he just started dying laughing. I mean, I've, I've always <laughs> just said, I, I forget where I got that from. It's some movie. Um, no, 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 no. You know, if you forgot, that's that's native to you. Okay, We're going to so. <laughs> start that. And through through the the waves of this podcast, it's going to spread like wildfire yeah, over our, the country. To our 70 listeners. Has everybody got the imagery of like a bunch of cats in a bag? Yeah. 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 And somebody's just holding the top and it's just, <laughs> just going all over the place. Ex well, yeah, you know, exactly. That's, that's the idea. Bag of cats. Yeah. 
Let me so, take that bag of cats and beat it against the wall. Bag of cats. Josh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and um, providing a really, really important and valuable insight Absolutely. On, on the idea of worship and what that looks like. Um, everything you said, we appreciate and value. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but for those of you listening, we want to hear your questions. Uh, so please connect to us. We want to do a Q&A episode, and we will be doing that. I posted on... Uh, social media about that. So you can find us at onthespot.podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Um, Submit your questions through a DM, drop a comment, whatever is more comfortable for you. Or you can just send us an email at onthespot at spotswood.org. Also, be sure wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate it, um, share it with somebody. Those things help us out. So uh, please share that and help us out with that. But That wraps it up, so we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about more stuff that matters.